0: Happy Fourth of July. Um, I, I, I think I heard, I don't know, I was running around there, but I think I heard Jim talk a little bit about this, but I want to talk a little more about it, if I may, before I get into the actual message. Um, I'm once in a while accused of being, uh, unpatriotic, and, and it's not true. I'm, I'm very patriotic. I could sing the Star Spangled Banner, Banner, what's it called? <laughs> 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 that song for you, uh, you know, if you wanted me to. I I, I am. I am, of course, I'm very cautious about, uh, you know, any political ideology being equated with the gospel. That's true. In fact, if you want a really good book on this topic that I like, it's a little bit controversial, but uh, it's called Corrupted by Might by Ed Dobson and Cal Thomas, uh, who were the leaders in the moral majority movement. Now I can't write a critique of the whole thing. It's really, really good. But having said that, I mean, all the governments of this world are to some degree corrupted by the evil one. Am I right? Uh, there's, he's, he is the uh, prince over all the kings of this world It says in Revelation 11 And so we've got to be cautious About totally, mindlessly, unequivocally embracing any ideology Got that Having said all of that, I want to say this I thank God for the, our forefathers And for those who have laid down their life to, For us to have the freedom that we have here I thank God for that I thank God that I, I'm in a country Yeah, amen It's good, it's good I thank God that I have the, the ability to, to say what I want to say and believe what I want to believe and without threat of persecution. I thank God for that primarily because it makes spreading the gospel a whole lot easier. Praise God. And so I'm thankful for that. I also know this, however. And you know it too if you're here and you're a believer. And that's that you can have all the political freedom in the world, all the ideological freedom in the world, and yet be in total bondage. Am I right? You can be in total bondage. You can have... Uh, So you can be free on the outside and have all the political freedom on the outside and have all the liberty in the world on the outside, but if you're knotted up, tied up, strung up on the inside in your spirit, in your soul, uh, then then you are not a free person. The Bible says that Jesus came to set the captives free, praise God. He wasn't talking about a political freedom. He's talking about a spiritual freedom. People that he set free were often still in bondage on the outside. Still had the political ties and the, and the chains on them. They're under bondage to the Roman government. But when they discovered the freedom that Christ came to bring them, then they really learned what freedom was. Praise God! That's real freedom. It's the kind of freedom that a, a person in a wheelchair. If you got the freedom of Christ, you can be more free than a person who can run a marathon. Amen. You can be in prison and you got more freedom than a person who owns an entire country. You can be facing death and you've got more freedom than a person who's who's got a whole life ahead of them. You can be dirt poor and you got more freedom than a person who's got all the riches in the world because you got a freedom in the spirit, praise God. you got a freedom that the world can't give you. you got a freedom that no political ideology in the world can ever give you. It's the only freedom that God can bring, praise God. And that's the real freedom I'm here to celebrate. We should make this a, a, a declaration of Independence Day. And the independence we're talking about... I'm glad for the independence that the the American revolutionaries came to give us, but I'm even more grateful to God for 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 the freedom that the revolutionary Jesus Christ came to bring us. Praise God. Yes! You know I'm talking truth here this morning. Independence Day. You know what we're independent of? We're independent from the devil. Hallelujah. You know, all the political freedom in the world, but if you're in bondage to the evil one, and the Bible says that everybody who is not a believer, everyone who's not regenerated, everyone who's not born again, is to some degree yet under bondage to the enemy. This cosmic beast that holds the the world in its stronghold, if you're in bondage to that one, then all the freedom in the world that the world can bring you isn't going to make you free. But praise God, the Bible tells us that when Jesus Christ came into this world, He set the captives free. And when I talk about the captives getting set free, captives being set free, I'm talking about getting set free from that one, praise God. Independent. He's got no hold on us anymore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nothing. Nothing but nothing but nothing but nothing can set us free. Or can, can, come, can come between us and Jesus Christ. The love of God. Neither persecution, nor famine, nor peril, nor sword. Romans 8 tells us nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Set free. I feel this morning up here so free. I'm not preaching yet, okay? I'm just... I'm, I'm, I, but I just want to say I feel... You know, this is freedom, to, to not have that beast on my back. That is freedom. I, I'm free from fear. I, I don't fear the judgment because my trust is in Jesus Christ, and that's freedom. Every other person, there's a little nagging thing down there. What if there is a God? What if I am accountable? There's a nagging fear there. But to get that off your back, praise God, and to be standing in grace, that's real freedom, praise God. Do I have to worry about that. I trust in the blood of the cross. I'm free. Free from the fear of death, Hebrews 2 tells us. I don't fear that. I really do not fear that. Those for whom this life is all they have, that's the the, the grim reaper, right? is is right in front of you. Always waiting. Always waiting until you fear that. You live your life aware of that. But the believer who knows who they are in Christ, the believer who knows the truth has been set free from that, praise God. Free from the chains of death. Free from from, from, uh, the fear of death. Free from the fear of the judgment. Free from fear of meaninglessness and emptiness, praise God. Free from fear of losing things in this world. The world that doesn't know Christ is addicted to idols. Why? Because they got an emptiness that they got to fill. So they're trying to fill it. Right now, a lot of them are trying to fill it with their cabin. Fill it with their boat. Fill it with their fun. Fill it with their with, with friends. Fill it with fame. Fill it with what you can acquire. Trying to always fill the vacuum in, 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 in their life. And that's bondage. It's total bondage. That's an addiction. I'm free from that, praise God. You're free from that. You know who Jesus Christ is Is He living in your life. You're free, praise God. You've got the fullness. That's freedom. That's freedom. That's freedom. That's real freedom, praise God. Free to love God. Free to be blessed by God. Free to have the Holy Spirit living within you. Free to know the truth, praise God. And the Bible says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. I'm not preaching yet, but I'm getting there. Uh, You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. That's, That's... to know who God is. To know who you are. To know what the world is about. To know what your destiny is. That you're destined for eternal heaven. You're destined for glory. Praise God. No more fear of hell. Hallelujah. You're destined for eternal life with God. You are free from that right now and throughout eternity. Receive the unsurpassable, unimprovable, the the incomprehensible love of God that is yours for free. That is real freedom. Praise God. When the sun sets, free is free indeed. So I am very glad that I have the right to vote. I'm happy about that. But man, that is nothing compared to the freedom I got in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! To live life with just—I gotta, I gotta get to preaching here. But uh, to live life with an open palm, you know what? Easy come, easy go. You can take my life. Life, freedom in life is when you're not clinging to it any longer because you found a life that no one can take away. Praise God! So Independence Day, Hallelujah! We celebrate it. We celebrate it with a vengeance. Vengeance. Now this has to. This does, in fact, fit into the message I want to bring this morning, which is about faith. We're continuing our series on faith. Faith is the Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. What is it, the fourth or fifth week we're here on this one verse? This is going to be the last one, too. This is my last week on this verse. But this is a good verse, you guys. This is really a good verse. Faith is the substance of things hoped for or anticipated. It is the evidence of things not seen. Hallelujah. Before I start, let me pray. Father, I just thank you for the freedom that I feel right now in you, Lord. I thank you for the freedom that you have died to purchase for every person in this auditorium. I pray, Lord God, that we that every person in this auditorium before this morning is over would have received you as Lord and Savior and would have been set free from the devil and all that the devil brings. Lord God, I, I, I pray, Lord God, that they come to a knowledge of who you are and who you want them to be and that their destiny in the heaven would be settled, Lord. I pray for anybody here who is not a believer, Lord, that... When we dismiss, they come forward and receive you as Lord and Savior. I thank you, Lord God, for the rest of the freedom that we have, all believers here this morning. And I pray, Lord God, that you would use this message as a way of further taking off the residue of chains and the residue of bondage that is in many of our minds and many of our hearts, Lord God. Set your people free, Lord God, by the power of your love. Set your people free, Lord God, by the power of your grace. Set your people free, Lord God. Let it happen this morning. Use the words that go forward, Lord God, that go forth, however eloquent or ineloquent they may be, Lord God. Use them, Lord God, to free us from the chains that sometimes bind us. And we'll give you the praise and we'll give you the thanks. We'll celebrate this, Lord God, every day of our life. In your name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The Greek word for substance is, Huposats is the Greek word for evidences. Well, now you would have thought that, wouldn't you? Uh, and in 99.9% of all the congregations in this country, you'd go on the rest of your life thinking that, but i got to get the one congregation that's got a couple of PhDs in Greek. <laughs> and what I'm told is that I'm putting the emphasis on the wrong word. I had the right definition. I had I, everything I said was true. But instead of pragmaton, <coughs> we should have been... Uh, using the word elenco elencos elencos <laughs> okay so scrap pragmaton you never heard about pragmaton I get it out I, I, I false brain <laughs> but I admit when I'm wrong okay I mean... <laughs> so faith is the hypostasis that things hold for hypostasis means, means uh, uh, substantial reality faith is about when you hold something that you anticipate in the future as a substantial reality right there it's real to you you think about it concretely hypostasis that's what faith is. It's different from mere belief. Quit laughing at me. <clears throat> it's different from mere belief. Mere belief is theoretical. It's abstract. Faith is concrete. You can see it. You can taste it. It's right there. At 11 cost, it's manifested to you. It's, it's there. It's evidence to you. What you see and what you hear in your mind as a concrete reality, though you are yet waiting for it and though you don't see it, that's what faith is all about. Now, What, we, what we've seen the last couple of weeks is this. Faith is the principle of life. It operates everywhere. Everybody does reality on the inside before they do reality on the outside, and how they do reality on the inside determines how they do reality on the outside. We're all running videos, we're all running soundtracks, we're all anticipating things, we all believe things, and are seeing things that we don't see with our eyes. That's your faith. And your faith drives you. Jesus put it like this. According to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith, be it unto you. Faith drives you. It's, It's what you expect. Your behavior is always exemplifying the things that in your mind you hold as a substantial reality, the things you picture, the things that you taste, the things that you see. And what we need to know we talked about this last week is this. There's a bondage kind of faith. And there's a freedom kind of faith. The bondage faith, we talked about it last week, is the, is the lies that come from the enemy using the world, going through our bodies, through what we see, through what we experience to influence our mind, to then define us. Instead of being defined by Jesus Christ over our spirit, over our soul, over our body, over the world, what we have is the enemy now over the world. This is what the fall is all about. The enemy is over the world who goes through our bodies, impacts our soul, and then defines our spirit, and the Lord is left out of the equation. Instead of being defined by the top down and from the inside out, we're defined by the outside in from the bottom up. Say it again. Instead of being defined by the top down, the Lord over us, and from the inside out, Inner, inner self submitted to the Lord and then working out in our behavior over the world instead of being defined from the, uh, uh, the top down and inside out we're defined from the bottom up Satan through the world through the body through the mind into the, into the spirit and from the outside in the world impacting us telling us who we are what happens is that through the, the world and through the experiences that we have sometimes in the fallen world lies deceptions get implanted in our mind the pictures the hypostasis and elemkos get implanted there So that's where we run, that's what we believe at a concrete level about the world. And when you get saved, your spirit is regenerate, your innermost being is regenerate, you have a disposition towards God, but your mind, your soul, suke, is still somewhat patterned after the old self, the old man, the lies of the world. And the process of transformation is acquiring a faith that's consistent with what you believe to be true, as you as a a spirit being have submitted to the Lord. It all goes back to Genesis chapter 3. What happened to the enemy? Uh, it, what happened to Eve when the enemy came to her? The enemy painted a false picture. Did God say, did God say that you shouldn't eat of any tree of the garden? That's a, that's a crock. That's my translation. That's a crock. Because God knows that if you eat of it, you're going to be wise. You're going you know, to know good and evil just like He does. And, and, and God's going to have a competitor and He's insecure. Boom! A hypostasis of a false God. An insecure God. The root of all evil is a false hypostasis of God. The false picture of God. From that flows all sorts of evil. She's got a false picture of who God is. When you get a false picture of God, who God is, you get a false picture of who you are. So she thinks now that she's needy. She's got to do something to acquire something that she doesn't have for free from God. So she reaches out and grabs the tree and the rest is all history, as you know. But there it is, a false faith. She no longer had faith in the true God. Her faith was no longer consistent with the way things really were. Her faith was influenced by a lie. From the outside in from the bottom up. starts all there in Genesis 3. And so it is in all of our lives. There's a bondage kind of a faith. The faith that comes from an enemy. The things that you really believe that you don't see. The things that you really anticipate. But it's not real. It's not true. It's deception. And to the extent that we are in bondage to the deception, you're not going to be walking in the full freedom that Jesus Christ came to set you free with. Let me give a couple more illustrations. I gave a couple last week. Let me give a couple more. Some of these are trivial. Some of these are big. But if you're on the inside of it, if you're the one in bondage, it all feels big. So here's one. Young girl, six years old. All of these are like real-life examples, uh, though details have been changed to protect the those who would rather remain anonymous. Young young girl, six years old, out taking a little nap on a cot out in her backyard. Little brother decides to have some fun, so goes around collecting all kinds of bugs in a jar, picking up little spiders and beetles and uh, ants, and and just gets a jar full of crawling, slithering beetle, grotesque centipede insects, and while. Big sister, six-year-old, is sleeping on the cot. Pours out the bugs all over her. Sister wakes up, and there are bugs crawling in her mouth, on her eyes, in her hair, in her pants, all over the place. And so she freaks. She freaks. Who wouldn't freak? You wake up, it's like ah! She's just going nuts. Major installation going on here, folks. Uh, this is a hoopostasis you're not going to get rid of real quick. This is a, uh, a, a, a cross. This is a substance. Boom, it's getting locked in. in this vivid a picture. She's, she believes. At that moment, as a six-year-old girl, she's going to be eaten alive by these bugs. This is the nightmare of nightmares, the terror of terror. And there's brother over there laughing. He represents the devil in this case. <laughs> <laughs> you see what's going on there? Now, fast forward the picture of 35 years. And every time this lady... Healthy lady, normal lady, godly lady, you know, mature lady... But when she sees a bug, it's freak-out time. It's freak-out time. Why? Because the bug now is a major... is a reference beam that just activates this hypostasis. uh, The picture. She runs the picture. She runs the soundtrack. She is a six-year-old girl doing the reality again. There's a bug. And and at one thirty-thousandth of a second... That's how fast past the mind operates. There's a picture of her once again being swallowed by bugs, eaten alive by bugs, screaming in this terrifying scream. So she feels all that all over again. Your feelings are always a response not to the bug but what you think about the bug and what she thinks about the bug is what the six-year-old thought about the bug so she's freaking out all over again. And she doesn't even know why she's so afraid. She has a belief because she's a 35-year-old mature, intelligent woman so her belief is that no bugs can't hurt me this is nothing to be afraid about I, you know, she's got all that down it doesn't do a bit of good according to your faith be it unto you. See, the faith principle is operating there and what she really believes at a hypostatic level, at a lend cost level, at the level of what's really going on in her head, what she really believes is that this is, this, this thing's going to eat you alive, it's going to rip you apart, your life's going to come to an end. She's six years old again, you see? And so her life, to a large degree, is in bondage to bugs. That may seem like a little thing, but consider the fact that there's something like 600 billion times more bugs on the planet than there are people. You've got a real problem there. You try to avoid these little critters. They're all over the place. She won't walk on grass. Because there's bugs in the grass, you see, uh, you know, and so this controls her life. There is a life. she's free in her spirit. She's free in a lot of areas of her life, but when it comes to bugs, she's in bondage. Why? Because there's a bondage faith. What she really believes is going to happen is that the bug will eat her alive, somehow uh, kill her. Young boy, let's give him six years old again, and his father. Father rages at him whenever father wants anything done. The only, the only. There's only two volumes that dad has. Either you're crying and whimpering or you're screaming and yelling. There it is. What's wrong with you? Raging, raging, raging. So the kid is feeling attacked all the time. He also notices that dad, whenever dad gets a little bit of a criticism, whenever anyone has a negative thing to say about dad, dad does this raging kind of thing. So now let's fast forward the film. The kid, the guy's 35 years old. He's a mature, he's a godly man, a mature Christian. He knows theoretically that rage is not an appropriate way to respond to positive, constructive criticism. But... Whenever there's anything critical said, whenever there's anyone who just, you know, gives anything, even if it's a look that maybe implies something is off, something's a little bit wrong, something could be approved upon, boom, there's this feeling of rage that is there. Why? The kid, he's got a faith. He's got a faith that he's being attacked. He goes back and he does what was done to him and he does what he saw modeled for him. Bam, there's the rage. He feels it in his gut. He doesn't know why. He hates it. He wants to get rid of it, but there it is. Because what's really going on at 1 30,000th of a second, like that, in your brain, is a picture of... Someone just says, you know, I really wish you would do this. Bam, here's dad right there. What's wrong with you? What are you, you stupid? He's got to get big. He's got to respond. He's got to fight for himself. He's got to defend himself. You see, bondage. Bondage kind of a faith. According to your faith, be it unto you. Young man, age of 12, let's say, discovers his dad's stack of magazines. His dad's photographic friends. There it is. They say that 75% of all pornography ends up in the hands of minors. Sobering statistic. And so he, uh, he looks at these things, he experiences this incredible stimulus, he's seeing things that are, uh, should never ever end, enter into the mind of a person, let alone a 12-year-old guy who's just coming to, to understand his sexuality and to come up to try to decide what this is all about. And in graphic vivid pictures, bam, it gets seared on his brain. You've got a hoopostasis here, you've got a elencos, there it is. Usually reinforced through masturbation and the strong physical pleasure, it gets anchored really solid. Fast forward the movie, the guy's 35 years old, he's married. Whenever he thinks about sexuality, that's what he thinks about. He goes right back to that. That's what he identifies as sexuality. Whenever there's an occasion in this environment, it could be a billboard, it could be a... Uh, the, uh, a woman in front of him it could be anything boom he's doing pornography in his brain, brain at one thirty thousandth of a second this is what he believes about reality he sees it as a positive thing he enters that twelve year old excitement again this is positive that, now he knows theoretically he's a Christian he's saved he's, he's free in a lot of areas but when it comes to this thing he's still doing a twelve year old looking at dad's magazines there's, there's that stimulus all over, the, all, all over the place he knows that it's bad he knows that it's wrong but he doesn't see it as that not at, at the level of what he, what, uh, the faith that's going on in his mind. You see what's going on there? And so he sits down at the computer and three buttons away is all of his little fantasy world that he had when he was 12 and still gets that same kind of buzz when he goes there now. Three little buttons. That's the X. You got on the internet and there, there, there you go. You can shoot at the behavior all you want but until you get at, what, at the faith, according to your faith be unto you, you're going to have problems going on there. Or I think a more general thing. A person grows up like most of us grow up. Most of us have, have been in an environment something like this. And it's not a bad environment, it's a really good environment. It's a, it's a nice, it's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful environment. But, you know, God's not really talked about very much. You go to church once in a while, but it's always a peripheral kind of thing. It's never really a passionate kind of thing. You never see that model. People don't really get excited about the Lord. It's just kind of a church thing. What they get excited about are boats and cars and, and yachts and, and uh, nice houses and nicer houses and nice clothes. And that's what's always talked about. That's what's always portrayed as a positive thing. This, isn't, this doesn't look very evil, does it? But see, there's a worldview that's being taught here, a worldview that's being illustrated, and it gets lodged, it gets installed at the level of the pictures that you run and the words that you hear in your brain. So you grow up, and of course, you do the normal religion thing. You go to church once in a while, maybe even every Sunday if you're a super on-fire Christian, you know. But you don't think about it on Monday through uh, Saturday. My gosh, you don't even think about it by 2 o'clock Sunday afternoon. It's a part of your life, but it's not your life. What your life is, you're thinking about how to make a little bit more money, how to get a little more comfort, how to live the good American dream. That's what's going on. And you may, you theoretically might believe that the most important thing in life is Jesus. The most important thing in life is building the kingdom. The most important thing in life is pressing back the kingdom of darkness and spreading the kingdom of God. You might theoretically believe that. You probably do theoretically believe that. But beliefs don't transform you. Information never doesn't, does not lead to transformation. What transforms you? Is what's going on really in your mind at the level of what you concretely savor. What do you taste? What is the hypostasis that you hope for? What is the LN cost that you do not see? That's what's driving you. And you can shoot at the behavior all you want, but until you get on the inside of what's really going on in your brain, until you begin to tackle the deceptive areas of your mind, you're not going to make a lot of progress. You know you should not be involved in that pornography. Bad for you to be involved in the pornography. What's wrong with you for getting involved in that pornography? He knows that already. He knows that already. If you just shoot at the behavior, you're not going to likely solve the problem. Now, that's not to say that you should just condone the behavior. Just know that God's not a behaviorist. The behavior is always a symptom of the problem. It rarely is the problem itself. You ought not to be raging. Why are you raging so much? Gosh, can't you control your temper, yada, yada, yada. Well, good, yeah, that's good. You didn't know that that's not appropriate. That's good information. The person probably already knew that. You've got to ask the question, what's leading to the behavior? Why do you rage like that? What is going on in your head? You should not be so materialistic. Why are you so greedy? Why are you jealous? Why are you so full of envy? When what is that all about? Stop that. Stop, stop, stop. And Mark said, go, stop it. See? Well, see, you can do that, you can do that but the problem the person might have already known that. It's not going to solve the issue, not until you get on the inside of the person's head. And you take thoughts captive. And Jesus Christ comes in and transforms the inner self. What are you afraid of bugs for? My gosh! Here, here's a book on bugs. They'll prove that that you know that 99.999% of all bugs cannot harm you at all. You know there. Now stop it. Let's well, see. This isn't a cerebral thing. This isn't about information at all. It's about what's actually going on. And when there are things from the world that are installed in us that uh, false faith, bondage faith, we do that faith. When, the, when, when you see the bug, you see the porn, you see whatever. Boom! You're there. Every other area of your life may be fine, but in this area, you got the bondage faith. This is why it's so crucial that we get this. I preach on this a lot, because we need to hear it a lot. It's so crucial that we understand the Bible tells us that the main battle of faith, the main battle is the battle of faith, 1 Timothy chapter 6. It's a battle of faith. It's a battle of what's the hypostasis? It's a battle of what's the elencos that's going on in your head. That's the main battle. The main battle is not the behavior. The behavior follows the faith. The main issue is, will you bring your mind into captivity to Jesus Christ? That's why Paul says in Second Corinthians chapter ten, verses three through five, huge verse here. Where Paul says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not they're not, they're not they're not physical because what we're fighting here is not external stuff. We're not trying to manipulate behavior. We're not trying to fight political foes. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal because they're not about the objective physical reality. Rather, Paul says, they are spiritual to the tearing down of strongholds, whereby we come against every thought and imagination that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we bring every thought captive to Jesus Christ. Powerful verse. Weapons of our warfare. Let me take it apart a little bit here. They are not carnal. Why? Because we're not dealing with carnal physical reality out there. That's not the main issue. Our, Our fight, Paul says, is not against flesh and blood. That's not the issue. Rather, the weapons of our warfare are spiritual to the tearing down of strongholds, Strongholds are these little. Think about it. It's like a little fortress in your brain, a little area that's carved out that is not of God's wisdom. It's of demonic wisdom. It's of the false faith, the bad faith. It's a little, it's a little pocket, as it were, in your brain, which whenever the outside situation is right, bam, you enter that. You're, you're the six-year-old girl who's afraid of bugs. You're the twelve-year-old who's thinking that pornography is still a positive thing. You're the you're the six-year-old who's getting raised up by dad. A little stronghold that is there that embodies it, incarnates and elemkos, it has there a lie, a deception about who God is, about who you are, about what's appropriate behavior in this world. You see, and the rest of your mind can go on and grow and be maturing and all of that, but when the situation is right, boom, there you are, the stronghold is there. Paul says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're spiritual to the tearing down of those strongholds. The bug phobia has got to be torn down, amen? The The porn addiction has got to be torn down. The stronghold has got to come down. The rage addiction has got to come down. The materialism has got to come down. That's what the battle is all about. Now, how do you do it? Well, Paul tells you. You come against every thought and imagination or every reasoning and imagination. Uh, we could say every hupostasis and lenkos. We come against everything in the brain that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, the knowledge of who God is and the knowledge that flows, that, that, that flows from God. The criteria of health is the Word of God. And everything in our mind, we've we just got to be detectives of our own brain, as it were everything in our mind that does not conform to the reality of God's Word, we need to come against it. With spiritual warfare, we need to come against it and tear down that stronghold. And the result of all that will be this. We bring every thought captive to Jesus Christ. Fear of bugs is not a thought that is captive to Jesus Christ. You're running pictures that are not under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Christ isn't afraid of bugs. Okay? Uh, so you can know that this is, Jesus didn't go around saying, Oh, what's that? What are we going to do? You know, Jesus didn't do that. And Jesus lives within you, so you don't need to be doing that. Is this profound or what? You see? Okay, so, you, so you, this is not a thought that is captive to Jesus Christ. The main job of spiritual warfare. Yeah, we like to rebuke strongholds and come against principalities and powers and, and, and defeat the devil and take the city. We like to do all of that. But it's not likely that you're going to get very far doing that unless you first take this captive, praise God. Take the astrodome of your brain captive to Jesus Christ. Your heart's there, your innermost being is there, and now you've got to take this incredibly fine computer that God gave us and bring it, and get it reprogrammed in the, to make it consistent, harmonious, congruent with the Word of God, with what is true about God. Take the thoughts captive to Jesus Christ. Take the, the porn thoughts captive to Jesus Christ. You take the raised pictures captive to Jesus Christ. You take the materialism and greed and maybe gossip, you take it captive to Jesus Christ. And if you don't do that here, it's not likely you're going to be able to do it out there. Rather, I'll say, it's impossible that you're going to do it out here unless you're first doing it in here. That's what the warfare is all about. Paul says the same thing when he says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2 and 3, be no longer conformed to the pattern of this world, the pattern of this world, being defined by the outside in from the bottom up. Don't do that anymore. Don't, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. The lies, the deception, the, 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 the things that you've experienced growing up, the things you've been told growing up, the messages, messages that you've gotten growing up, don't be conformed to that any longer. Don't let that define you any longer is what he's saying. Rather, be transformed. How? By trying hard? No. By the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. Going over and over again. That you may, he says, prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Prove there. means to demonstrate, to experience firsthand. To experience the will of God in your life. God's will is not that you'll go around the rest of your life afraid of bugs. You'll prove what is the will of God when you're transformed by the renewing of your mind and you're no longer conformed to the pattern of this world, the pattern of big brother putting bugs all over you, you see? Don't so be conformed to that message any longer. That was a lie. I understand why the six-year-old came to that conclusion, but you're 35 now. You don't need to have that conclusion governing your life anymore. Don't be conformed to that any longer. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Redo the picture. Redo your faith. Get a true hypostasis and a true cross going on there and that will transform your entire life. Paul says the same thing again when he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 23 through 25. Put off the old man, which is corrupted by evil desires. The old man, that's the old self. That's that's who Greg Boyd would be if it were not true that Jesus Christ was Lord and saved me. Okay, that's the old Greg Boyd. He's corrupted by evil desires. Why? Because that old Greg Boyd had a bunch of lies, believed a bunch of lies, and was always desiring things that would corrupt him. Things that will not give life, but it promises to give life. Like the apple on the tree. Like the pornography on the internet. Creating it, desiring it. Because you've got a a faith that this is what life's all about. Put off that old person and put on a new person. How? By the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. The battle, folks, is the battle of faith. According to your faith, be it unto you. So let me close by giving you two exercises. I gave you an assignment last week. I almost want to have a raise of hands as to how many people did that, but I know better. Uh, Because see, here's what I know. Here's what I know. I know that I am swimming upstream on this stuff. This is the hard stuff to do. This is, I believe, the hardest aspect of discipline. I'm swimming upstream my own life. The natural, easy, habitual thing to do is to just go along and let the world define you, you know? Just more or less. It, it, it. We are so bad at policing our own thoughts. We are so public-oriented that we think that what happens that everyone else can see is what's really important. When, in fact, according to kingdom principles, it's what people don't see. It's what's going on in the head that's really, really important. Because what's going on in the head determines what is going on the outside, you see? you don't see because you can't see this kind of stuff. Uh, This is the private stuff. And so it's easy for us to forget this. And so I come back to it and remind us, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Two little exercises for you you to, to, to get a grip on this more. Number one, do this. And Lord, help us to remember to do this. Because it's easy to forget. You walk out of here and you lock into your, your pattern of thinking. I do the same thing. Lord, help us to remember to do this. Take truths of the Word of God and say them over and over again. The word renew means to... It's like chewing on, on cut. It, it, it's, you go over it and over it and over it and over it we don't chew on cud but cows do and the word actually comes from the word that cows used to they used to use for cows who would chew on their cud they swallow it and they'd burp it up again they you know, it's really gross I didn't want to go into details but you were looking puzzled so I really had to just explain what the whole thing is about okay, thank you um, want to slow that down a little bit? okay, it means to go over and over and over you renew it it's new again it's new again it's new you renew again new see, you renew your mind do it again now do it again now do it again now do it again you're doing that all the time whether you know it or not you're renewing your mind. Your, your mind is always, always going. The question is, what is it going on? Most of us aren't intentional about, about what is going on. And that's really sad. Because if you're not intentional about what's going on, how you're renewing your mind, what you're thinking about, someone out there is intentional. And he comes at you through the through the billboards and through the commercials and through everything around you, comes at you with these lies. We've got to get intentional about what's going on in our head. Renew our mind. So take a truth of the Word of God and say it to yourself and then see it. Ellen elenkos. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's wonderful. It will be abstract until you make it a matter of faith. Do you really believe that? In other words, can you see yourself walking with someone in you that's greater than anyone in the world? See? It's one thing to believe it theoretically, but can you see yourself walking with that? God has not given you a spirit of fear, the Bible says, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Okay, now that's a good abstract truth. It will be mere belief and will never confront the areas of your life that you are fearful and out of control and not sound until you can see it. What does it look like for you to be filled with one, uh, a spirit that doesn't have anything to do with fear, but rather is full of power, sound mind, self-control? What does that look like? What does Greg Boyd look like? Well, i tell you this, Greg Boyd's not afraid of bugs when I'm walking in that reality. Okay? Say it and see it. Do it in prayer and do it over and over again. See it and say it. Do it over and over again. Vividly, in color, big, panoramic, full of sound. See the truth. Saint Ignatius, the great monk of the 15th century, Jesuit priest, said this When you pray, when you read your Bible, enter into it with all five senses. See, he, he, he was just saying, pray, hypostasis, elenkos. Make it vivid in your mind. See yourself like that. You are the apple of God's eye. You're loved with an everlasting love. This power of God is upon you. Uh, the Lord rejoices over you and sings, Zephaniah chapter 3. All those truths, take them, save them, and see them over and over again. Live in that reality. Make it a part of your prayer life. And that's part of what it means to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you can't see it internally, you're never going to be able to do it externally. Second thing is this, and I, real quickly, is find the areas of your life. This is basically saying the same thing in a different way. Find the areas of your life that aren't taken captive to Jesus Christ, the, the areas of fear or the areas of, of sin. Uh, the, 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 the flesh thoughts the flesh feelings and the flesh behaviors take all of them and ask the Lord in prayer sometimes you need a counselor to help you with this some, some people do and my dream is that in, in two or three years we're going to have a lay counseling center with, with people who are trained in doing this kind of thing but most of the time the Lord can just do it with us He's our therapist praise God and Jesus makes a very good therapist a lot of prayer for me prayer is therapy so I go to the Lord and I say, Lord, show me this area. Why am I like this? Why do I, I, I respond this way? What is the faith that is going on? What's the faith that's going on in my life that's leading to this? Show me, Lord. And I ask the Lord to reveal to you. What's the, the picture that's flashing at one thirty thousandths of a second? What's the hupostasis and elencost that's going on? The false faith, the bondage faith, the flesh faith that you have that's leading to this ungodly behavior. Ask the Lord to show you that. And then ask the Lord, finally, to get rid of that to collapse that. Sometimes I just see the Lord shutting up the whole thing. Here's the picture. Took it away. And they'll give me a true picture. The bug phobia. I'm not afraid of bugs, but but this person. Take that bug phobia. Here's a picture of this girl covered with bugs. Ah, you know. And, and it, I'm being very simple here because I, I, we, we got to end it. Uh, but, but this is the essence of what we're talking about. And Jesus says, you know what? That's not true, is it? That's not true. You're 35, you know what? Why do you keep seeing this? Let's stop that. I, I come against this stronghold. The Lord can come against this stronghold. You, in prayer, can come against this stronghold. And you tear it down. Just, just clasp it like a screen. Close it up. I refuse to let this picture have authority in my mind any longer. This is my brain. This no longer will have authority. I'm not fixed any longer. My brother shouldn't have done that. I forgive him. But i got to move on now. And so you give it to, have it, just give it to the Lord. And have him go over his back. Or, the Lord's very creative. You know, let, let him do therapy on you. I'm not going to do it. Um, but however, collapse the picture and then have him show you what a true faith would be like in that area of your life. What a true faith. What would you look like if the Word of God was exemplified in your life? If you're walking in all the things that Jesus Christ purchased for you to have, you've got to see it. Rehearse it over and over again. See, until this young lady can see herself in the power of God walking on grass, and a little grasshopper jumping on her and she goes, oh, stop it. If she can't see that, she'll never be able to do it. But in Jesus' name, she can see it. You see? This is what is true. And that's what it is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Getting a faith that's appropriate, that's consistent with reality. Let's stand. I want to encourage you to be working on these things, you guys, to be a a body of people that are in the process. The main discipline of life is the discipline of the mind. What's going on there? To be transformed that way. Could we end the way we ended last week? I'd like us to grab each other's hands, if you would. And when we're done, I want to invite you to come forward for prayer if you'd like that. Uh, There'll be a few people up here who would be glad to pray with you if you want to go further on this or if you want to accept the Lord as Savior. But I want to lead us in a prayer. You don't have to pray it. Don't pray it out loud, but I'll lead us in it. And you'll be, in your mind, applying it to the person on your right and the person on your left. The Lord has just been, I think, moving us to say you need to be a body of people who know how to pray for one another. So close your eyes and let's pray for the person on our right and the person on our left. Father, in Jesus' name, we want to pray for the people that are on our right, the individual whose hand we are holding right now. Father, we pray blessing on them, Lord. We pray, Lord God, that Your grace would be upon them, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, that Your power would be upon them. We pray, Lord God, that You would, uh, Lord God, bless the rest of this day as they perhaps get together with family, or maybe they're going to be alone, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, that You'd be always drawing them closer to Yourself. And we pray, Lord God, that You would help them by the power of Your Spirit uh, to be transformed by the renewing of their mind, Lord God. Lord God, we pray protection for this person whose hand on our right that we are holding. Protection from the enemy who would try to get in there and sow seeds of deception. In Jesus' name, we come against strongholds in the mind uh, that hold them captive. And we proclaim their mind and their heart to be kingdom territory, praise God. And ask, Lord God, they'd be moving on them to free them from every bondage that they might have. And Lord, now we pray for the person on our left whose hand we are now holding. Lord God... We may know them, we maybe don't know them, but we pray blessing on them, Lord God. Favor them, Lord God. We know, Lord God, that You've invested us with an incredible authority. That when we speak these kinds of things, it really makes a difference. So, Lord, we see it making a difference right now on them. Hallelujah. The light of your love is shining on them right now, Lord God. Bless them in every way, Lord God. Bless their relationships, Lord God, with their spouse or their significant other, with their children if they have children. Bless all those relationships, Lord God. May they today walk with a sense of love all around them, Lord God. Lord God, we pray that by your Spirit you'd also remind them to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Father, may they today see a little more clearly how much You love them. Not just believe it, but see it, Lord God. May they experience the full depth and abundant richness